All right, let me, let me tell you about your pastor, okay? So I call him up, terrified out of my mind, and said, Dr. Ray, I'm coming to speak to the church. Would it be possible if we could sit down for lunch? I'm terrified, man. I want to go over my speech with you. See, I'm not a pastor, so I called a speech. I said, I want to go over my speech with you. I'm really, really nervous, and if you could just give me the time, I'd have some confidence. Let me tell you what your pastor said. He said, man, I don't want to go over your speech. I just want to have lunch and break bread and hang out. So I say that so that you all know that if this is absolutely El Stinko, you have Dr. Ray Underwood to blame because he gave me absolutely no help. And I'm also going to tell you, when he invited me to this group, which has been wonderful for my growth as a man, this measure of a man, he never said anything about being a pastor. I want to be clear. He goes, we have a great group of people. It's a great book. Why don't you join us? So I just want to make that clarification for you. So I am Greg Dubois, and I, I'm, I'm, nobody calls me Gregory but my wife and my mother, but you. I do want to be very serious about this, the Advent season, and, and just open with some transparency. I really am afraid. And my fear comes from the fact that when you hear Dr. Ray, he's a doctor. He's schooled in this. When you hear Pastor Brent, he's a pastor. He's got skin in the game, as we say. He's got experience. I don't have any of the credentials that would prepare me or qualify me to stand before you today and talk about Advent, one of the most important seasons in all of our lives, in all Christians' lives throughout history. And I was really kind of struggling with that. But something became very clear to me earlier this week. The good news is I am qualified. And every one of us in this room who is a Christian is qualified to talk about the Advent season and abounding joy simply because by virtue of being Christians, you see, we can claim joy. And if we can claim joy, we can proclaim joy because that birth of a little bitty baby boy all those years ago in a manger come to save the world is what qualifies me and what qualifies you and every Christian throughout the history of the world to talk about abounding joy because that birth, this season, Advent season, is what brought joy to the world. And we all know that song. You see, his birth, that is what Advent is all about. Advent is about the event and the anticipation of the event. You know, this is my second service and something that just dawned on me. As somebody who grew up really, really poor, I used to want to stay over the kid's house that had the big burgers because when I was in my house, burgers had bread and onions in them because we made it last. But the point of that video is to just, and by the way, I own an advertising agency, so I will lean on props a couple of times. But it's really to get us in this idea of anticipation, and that is what the Advent season is all about. It is about the anticipation, forget ketchup. It's about the anticipation of the greatest gift ever given in the history of the world, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, a little bitty baby boy born in a manger all those years ago, come to save the world. Now, 
we've got to be clear. We anticipate the coming of the Lord from two perspectives. We look at this season of anticipation from the Latin Adventus, Advent. We look at this through two perspectives. One is we are looking at the coming of the Messiah. The Messiah. Come to save the world. The one God has appointed and anointed to come to save the world. But don't miss this in this season of Advent. The second perspective is it is an exhortation for us to be on high alert for the second coming of our Lord and Savior. You see, the coming of that little bitty baby boy born in a manger all those years ago is the reason that you and that I can and do and will always have joy because it came as a result of his birth. You see those words in the song, Joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. He is our king. And he has come, and he's come for me, and he's come for you. And the best part about it, there's nothing that we can do with it. Nothing that we can do about it. But to really understand abounding joy, it's important that we understand what joy is not. Come on, you did it at home. Here comes my favorite. Here comes my favorite. Doesn't clap to that song in their in their bathroom, bedroom, where the washing machines are. <laughs> the reason I play that song is we've got to be real careful with this idea of abounding joy. We have to be careful not to confuse joy with happiness. Joy isn't happiness. And be thankful that joy isn't happiness. And why? Because you see, happiness is temporary. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness is random. Happiness is a wave, right? It's the waves that come and crash upon the beach. They ebb, they flow, they come, they go. And by the way, we have no explanation for why they came or went. Not something I want to place my faith on. To me, joy is like the beach that those waves crash upon. Now, if you're like me, and I'm a nature guy, grew up surfing, loved the water, can't get enough of it, I don't have any less joy for the beach when I go to it, whether the waves are head high or totally flat, because you see the beauty of God's grace in our life is like that beach. That is joy. It doesn't depend on the height of the waves. It doesn't depend on how much seaweed is in the water, because the beach is like joy. The beach is the constant that we can look to. And if you've ever been to the beach at just the right time of day, or morning, or even nighttime, brothers and sisters, it's how we know God is real. And that's the truth about joy. It's how we know that God is real. So you see, joy isn't happiness. Joy isn't elation. Joy isn't any of those synonyms that I use and you use to describe when we feel like all is right with the world. Because the problem is feelings change. And if we hang our hopes and we hang our confidence and we hang our faith on feelings, 
Well, guess what? We really don't have faith because all of a sudden it's changing, it's ebbing, it's flowing. It's just like those waves that we've talked about. By contrast, joy is the beach. It is unchanging. It is a promise. It is our sign how we know that our God is real. And it's because of this, the Advent season, and that birth of a little bitty baby boy all those years ago, born in a manger, come to save each and every one of us. So let's look at joy through the prism of that time long ago when earth received her king. And to do that, to illustrate this, I want to take you through five essential, surprising truths about joy. And I hope they're comforting truths. Now the first truth comes from the shepherds. And the truth is that joy is right here, right now. You see, the mistake that we make is thinking that joy is a place that we go to. How many times have you heard, I'm going to pick on myself. I'm going to my happy place. No, you're not. You're going on vacation. And guess what? When you spend too much money on an $8 hamburger at Orlando, all of a sudden, even vacation isn't a joyous place. Amen? <laughs> you see, joy isn't a place that you can run to. If you're going to have true, ultimate joy, the kind that God designs and desires for us in your life, you have to understand that joy is right here, right now, with you, wherever you are, and it does not depend on circumstances. It does not depend on situations. And aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that joy isn't circumstantial? That joy isn't situational? You see, the, the shepherds discovered that joy was where they were. Luke 2 says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, when suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. So these shepherds, regular dudes on a regular day, regular night, doing their regular thing, and a most irregular event occurs. Well, what was that irregular event? The irregular event is that God showed up, right? That was the event that occurred that was so irregular. But the good news is if God can show up for a bunch of regular dudes doing their regular thing on a regular night and, and, and give them the most irregular gift. By the way, these dudes were, by the way, standing over a bunch of hapless sweater balls. Okay? If God can show up for regular dudes doing their regular things on a regular night, the good news about this season and abounding joy is that God can show up right here, right now for me and for you. It's his desire for us. And if that's not good news, if that doesn't bring joy to your heart in this season, brothers and sisters, I can't give you joy and you can't find it because that's what this season's all about. Amen? You see, you don't need to be in the midst of the extraordinary for God to show up. You don't need to be in the midst of all things that feel good. That's not how joy operates, and that's not how God operates. Now, that might sound depressing until you understand the reality of that statement. Aren't you glad that it doesn't depend on our circumstances? Aren't you glad that it doesn't depend on our situation? Because guess what? Joy is such a good thing. I can mess up a good thing. Anybody here ever messed up a good thing? Some of us probably messed up a great thing, right? So 
I'm happy. You should be happy. It gives me joy to know that I can't mess up the gift of this season of Advent of that little bitty baby boy born in a manger all those years ago come to save me and to save you. The second truth also comes from the shepherds. So we know that joy is right here and it's right now. The second truth is that joy is sent. Now I'm going to pick up some friends. I won't name them. I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to find myself. I'm going to go find myself. You were with yourself when you went looking for yourself, so what's the problem? She or he, you or I, we weren't going to find ourselves. We were going to find joy. And we wasted our time because you don't just find joy. Joy is sent, and it is sent from God, and it is sent from above. The good news is that it's sent individually, personally, to each and every one of us. But don't waste your time going to find joy. You'll be right back in Orlando with a $9 hamburger, and no joy will be found. He sent joy to the shepherds, and God, he sends joy to us. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. They, the shepherds, were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. So will you grant me that joy is sent? Will you grant me that joy is sent? Can I get an amen? So... If I got that nod of affirmation, which came, I had to force it out of you. But how do I get joy in my life? I go back to what I said. The best news about Advent season is I can't work for it. The best news about how our God operates is that no toil is enough. No work is sufficient. There's nothing that I can do. Why? Because we've already discovered I can mess up a good thing. And joy is the best thing. So, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to lose that. Be glad you can't earn it because you wouldn't be able to work hard enough. Be glad that it's given to you freely because of this season of Advent and the coming of our Lord and Savior. Don't miss that. That's the good news of the gospel, is that messing it up isn't possible with joy. Now, I've bought many a thing in my life, and some of them say foolproof. I'm the fool that proved it wrong. So isn't it great that we can't mess up joy? The angel said, I bring good news and great joy. Well, that's a problem for me. What's the difference? The difference is it's personal. So if my friend here in the purple shirt wins a lotto, that's good news. Maybe. If I win the lotto, that is great joy. Brothers and sisters, we won the lotto because of this season, because of Advent season and the birth of our Savior who gave us the lotto winnings, whatever the numbers were on that day, came to save each and every one of us. We've already won the lotto, and it's personal. Christmas is personal. Pastor Brett told us that last week. Don't forget that. What better news is there? What better news is there than the Advent season, the anticipation of the coming of our Lord? What better news is there 
that our Savior, that little bitty baby boy, born in a manger all those years ago, desires to have a personal relationship with each and every one of us. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of this season. And if you can't get fired up for that, I can't get you fired up. That's what it's all about. You know, when I played football, coach would say, I don't have to get you up for this. Do I have to get you up for the good news of the Advent season? I ask you, are we fired up about what God has for us at this time of year for us to reaffirm our faith? If not, we should be. The third truth, and I don't know if this is a comforting truth. The third truth about joy is that joy is a crock pot. And don't play like you never ate out of crock pot. Seven o'clock, mom puts the pot on the stove. And what she put in it? Whatever she had. Right? Some beef, an old onion from the crisper, some carrots with the leaves still on it, some of last week's meal, some of this week's meal. But the good news, something's going to happen in that crock pot. So 7 o'clock you go to school, 3 o'clock you get home, she makes you wait another three hours before you can dig in and start spooning some goodness out of that crock pot. So what happens? That crock pot is a metaphor for the journey of joy because it is the journey of life. Nobody in their right mind would stick a fork in that or a spoon in that cold crock pot with onions. If you grew up poor, might be some bologna, what we used to call spiced ham. I still don't know what spiced ham is, all right? An onion, some carrots, some of this, some of that. Nobody would walk over and go, ooh, I can't wait to get on some of this. But what happens? Come 6 o'clock, you're ready because a process has taken place. Something has happened from that cold onion. It's the marination. It's the blending together that we can't explain. Isn't that like God? And isn't that like life? We can't really see how all those juices are combining and working together, but there's a process that takes us from here to here, and at 6 o'clock, don't kid yourself, crock pot's the best meal you ever had on a cold day. That's what happens in life. But you see, there's a problem with the crock pot. The problem with the crock pot is you and me, because we don't want a crock pot. We don't want a process. I'm going to speak for myself. I don't want a crock pot. I want a microwave. And I hope minute rice is what's for dinner. Okay? We don't want a crock pot. We don't want to go through the process. Well, what's the process look like? It's painful. It hurts. It's not pleasant. It's a big, fat, cold onion and some spiced meat. Who wants that? You think about those wise men. They didn't get it. Not in a minute. They didn't get the microwave solution. They started in the east, and they saw a star that shone as a sign that a king was being born. And they set out on a journey. And finally, they get to Bethlehem. I'm going to lean on Orlando again. You know how your kids are in the back seat. 16 more miles, 14 more miles, 13 more miles. Blah, 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 blah. And by the way, you can buy anything you want from Disney before you get to Disney. But the point is, they started on a long journey. And they didn't get a microwave solution. Look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. You see, that crock pot had had to go all day before they finally spooned some joy out. They didn't get a microwave solution. And here's the, again, not comforting. It's not all going to be joy. I told you joy's right here. I told you joy is sent. I am not going to lie to you and tell you that it's going to all be joy because, brothers and sisters, it isn't. Look at Psalm 30, verse 5. Crying may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. 
What starts with tears and pain, if you stick with God, it ends in joy. You see how I did that? Because I can feel it. Because I've lived it and I'm living it. If you stick with God, spending time with Him, you recognize that in all things, He sticks with you. You'll recognize that joy comes in the morning. And Jesus told us what to expect. John chapter 16, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. I don't have to look at my notes. In my own life, I have experienced grief. Deep, painful, nasty, ugly, horrific grief. And it began at four years old, and I won't take you through the horror of my mother's attempted suicide, 12 cuts to each wrist. That's a lot of blood, right? I tried to microwave my way out of that situation and that circumstance for over 30 years. Didn't work. And the reason it didn't work, because I was trying to go to my happy place. Don't exist. And you can't drug your way into it. You can't smoke your way into it. You can't fornicate your way into it. You can't party your way into it. If you could, I would have done it, because I gave it all-out effort. Doesn't work. It was only when I chose to spend time with God and stick with Him and let Him stick with me that I began to spoon some joy out of that crock pot. And that crock pot is still on the stove. I bet your crock pot is still on the stove. But brothers and sisters, the good news is joy is in the stew. Don't miss that. Be okay with the crock pot. Be okay with the process because it's sweeter at 6 o'clock than it ever going to be at 7 o'clock in the morning. And if you've had minute rice, there's nothing special about it. Grief isn't a one-time experience. It's a constant. Is anybody here struggling with something that can steal your joy right now or ever struggled with something? Yeah, you don't even have to raise your hand. We all are. So we got to be prepared. We have to understand that grief is not a one-time deal. It may not be as horrific as some of the other grief that we experience. It's that wave, man. It's feelings. It's how we feel. It's what's happening. It's what we're experiencing. But you know what? Psalms has some wisdom for all of us. Look at Psalm number 148 and verse 13. Let them all praise the name of the Lord, for His name is great. His glory towers over heaven and earth. Now, again, I'm an advertising guy, so I deal in pictures. And I stole this picture from someone. But because I'm an advertising guy, okay. So I'm going to share the picture with you. The picture that I want you to take hold of is this this idea of his glory and the towers. That's my comfort picture. Towers, big, strong, over everything. When you think about God's tower and His tower of glory and grace and mercy and forgiveness, it makes it very, very easy to understand that all of those circumstances that we're going under, all of those situations that we are faced with, that we are enduring, they don't matter because His towers are up here and this is all below it. So that's my comfort picture. And it can be your comfort picture too. And the reason it can be your comfort picture is because of this, the Advent season and the birth of that little bitty baby boy born in a manger all those years ago, come to save you and come to save me. And he shows up right here, right now, and meets us at our point of need. You see, God towers over it. Emmanuel, God with us. Isn't it good news that God is with us? 
Isn't it good news that God is with us? Amen. It's good news that God is with us. The fourth truth, it's really not as comforting as I would like it to be. And the fourth truth is that joy is scary. All you have to do is spend a little time in life and know that joy is scary. We look at, we look at Simeon, and Simeon was a bit player in this whole idea of the Advent season, but he was there at Jesus' baby dedication. And he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He says in Luke chapter 2, or it says, Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. Many to fall. I'm not comforted by that thought. But you have to look at who was going to fall. The people who fell are the people who thought that they had everything to hold on to. The people who thought that they had everything to lose. The Pharisees, they fell. Well, who are the Pharisees? The Pharisees are the people that we look at who have that persona that says everything is right with the world. They've got it all going on. They're in control. They got it figured out. Well, those are the people who fell. King Herod fell. King. Need I say more? So who got great joy? If those are the people that fell, brothers and sisters, you and I got great joy. It was people who recognized and recognized that God, the birth of our Savior, it brought something. Truthfully, it brought everything. It signaled to us that he had everything in the world to give us, and it's all our gain. We are the people that can take great joy, and all we have to do is claim the joy in a relationship with him that he has for each and every one of us. You see, nothing's changed. The truth is the scary thing about joy and what prevents so many of us of claiming the joy that God has for us is the decision to let go of the things that we think bring us joy. And one of the things that we think bring us joy it's funny, they don't seem so frivolous until you say them out loud. New car. What happens? Yeah, new car. I got one a few years ago. A year later, I need some tires. CD player ain't working just right. Doesn't shine like it used to when I get it waxed. Joy's gone. You get a new house. Now, that's a big joy moment, right? Wrong. As soon as you get your new house, you're chilled out in your new house. You look around, it's an old couch. That's some old furniture, old chair, old table. Now you get new furniture. Your wife's out of town. If you're a guy, you got four buddies over. And he got a 60-inch. You got a 46-inch. There's a problem. You see, the problem with looking at things that we think will bring us joy and really confusing them with things that give us fleeting happiness is we're chasing after the wrong things. They're never going to bring us joy because the joy that we're feeling in our heart that's pulling at our heartstring is a desire for a relationship with God. That's the joy that we're seeking. But you don't have to look too hard because of this season, the Advent season, that little bitty baby boy, joy is right here and it is ours to claim. But you need a picture, okay? I'm going to tell you about the, the, the fear. I told you it's scary. Here's the deal. If you watch the Red Bull channel like I do, there's certain things they do in there you're like, I could do that. If I had a great jet ski, I could do that. If they threw me off the side of a mountain in a kayak, I could do that. 
you know the one I never say that to are the rock climbers. Dude's out like this. He's holding on, and the announcer's always like, and folks, he doesn't have a safety rope. Well, that's what life is like. And God is the guy that comes over, outstretched hand, over the cliff, wants to pick us up. And what are we doing? Mm -mm. Because we don't want to let go. We don't want to let go of our earthly rock when the only rock that we need is Jesus Christ, our Savior, right there, outstretched hand. And what are we doing? Like a little, I'm not going to do it. But if we are to grab his hand and let him take hold of us, and when he's got you, I'm living proof, when he's got you, he's got you, right? He wants to save our lives. He's got his hands outstretched, and all we have to do is make the hard decision, make the choice, not be afraid, have the courage to let go of our earthly rock and hold on to the strong towers, the rock that wants to come down and save our lives. And here's the cool thing about that. And I said this last service, Pastor Ray may disagree with, but I don't think the greatest thing about, first of all, we know it's not the rock. Here's a little secret. When you're holding on the rock, it's not like you're dead and buried. You're still alive. You're just not living in the fullness that God has for you. It's a big point. You're still alive. I don't think supreme joy comes from when you go over here and you grab him and he's got you because he's got you. And he's saving your life day in and day out. You know, people say, he's a new Christian. He was on fire. I was never as on fire as I was when I was a new Christian because it's new. It's, it's really acute, that feeling. So I think supreme joy doesn't come in the rock. We know that. It doesn't come in the day-to-day. -day. It's when you make the big decision to let go of your earthly rock, let God take your outstretched hand, you take his, and now he's got you in your life, saving your life for you from the cliff of all that is below you, under his strong tower. Amen? The final truth, or the fifth truth and final truth about joy is that joy is a hard choice. Now, Mary had joy. She sang about it, and I'm going to sample a few verses for you. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lovely servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Now, I don't know how Mary sang, and I don't care. I'm going to try to learn from her. She was making a joyful noise about her joy. Isn't that a good thing? But you see, even Mary had to make a decision. Mary had to take a journey. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, where she begins her journey. Confused and disturbed, many tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. I need you to look at this with me. Of course she's afraid. Of course she's confused. And of course she's disturbed. Let's look at what they heaped on her. Uh, Mary, we're going to have a virgin birth. You're our girl. You're good? And don't worry, Mary, because all these people in your neighborhood, nobody's going to think it's a big deal. You will be accepted. You will be exalted. And the killer. And as a married man. And Joseph's going to be good with it. Of course she was confused. Of course she was afraid. And of course she was disturbed. So how does Mary go from being confused, afraid, and disturbed to great joy? Well, she made a hard choice. 
she decided to trust God, let go of her earthly rock, trust the outstretched hand of God to grab her, pull her up, and save her life. She decided to trust in the Lord and to trust in the Lord in her life. Now, when I talk about the decision, it makes me think about LeBron James. We all remember when LeBron decided to come from Cleveland to South Beach, Miami. Does anybody remember what they called the TV show that he did? It was called The The Decision. I'm sorry, LeBron, but your The Decision doesn't begin to touch the decision that we, I, you, all of us get to make every day, day in and day out. And that is the decision to trust the Lord in our lives, to let go of our rock, take his outstretched hand, don't miss this, and let him save our lives from all that's beneath, to put us under his strong tower. And you remember... And it was actually, as an advertising guy, a pretty cool line. He said, I am taking my talents to South Beach. I am and you can take your lack of talent to Jesus Christ. Right? Isn't that the good news of Advent season? Isn't that the good news that we should have abounding joy? It should all surround that. That whatever it is, circumstances or situations, our lack of talent, our lack of knowledge, our lack of courage, our lack of a good family, our lack of a whole bunch of stuff that makes us happy. We can take it all to Jesus Christ, and he'll take care of it for us. He'll put it under his strong tower. It's a big decision, and we make it every day. I mean, the question that we have to ask ourselves on a daily basis, do I trust me or do I trust he? Do I trust him or do I trust them? Do I trust what they say about me? Do I trust in money? Do I trust in finances? Do I trust in a great spouse? Do I even trust in health? Well, here's the bad news. All of it's fleeting. Even good health is only with us for a time because the one certainty, and we know from the news, it's not even taxes anymore. The only certainty that we have is death. So with that in mind, it's important that we understand the significance of the choices that we make in allowing God to give us the outstretched hand for us to grab hold and to let him save our lives. You know, Jesus would even have to trust God. We don't talk about this. He had to trust him into the biggest thing ever. It's called the crucifixion. Don't mistake it. Jesus wasn't skipping down the lane like, I'm going to be crucified. That's not what happened. He didn't want to be crucified. He had to trust God. He had to trust that joy was on the other side of the decision. And aren't we glad he made that decision? You see, when I talk about joy and the decision and all these truths about joy, I don't want you to miss this. When I say claim joy, it isn't that we have to. It's that we get to. And the reason we get to is because of this season, Advent season, the birth of that little bitty baby boy born in a manger all those years ago, come to save you and to save me. And that is serious stuff. Okay? Don't miss what joy looks like. Blessedly, there was joy for Jesus, and thankfully, there's joy for me, and there's joy for you. So as I close today, I, I want to I bring up a picture that's going to help me illustrate joy, and I hope you don't forget it. Now, I've got to tell you, after the first service, the guy says to me, who's the big fellow with your wife? It's me. I took joy in cakes and pies and fried chicken. I don't want you to look at the joy on my wife's face. 
It's expected. I don't want you to key on the joy in my face because it's expected. The unexpected joy that I want you to key on is that nurse's face. Now, let me set the scene for you. We are in Ethiopia. We are at our son, Jackson. At the time, his name was Bedeket, which means blessing. We are at his transition home. It's an orphanage. And let me tell you something about an Ethiopian orphanage. It makes our orphanages here in America look like Ballon Isles, Admiral's Cove, you name it. But it doesn't look like that. But you look at the unexpected joy on this woman's face, and here's a couple of points that I don't want you to miss. She's the only one not getting on a plane to leave a third world country where the water is as brown as coffee, and I slept on it so I know the bedding is as hard as a brick. The food is nothing that you would want to eat, and it's abject poverty everywhere you look. And she's smiling like she won the lotto. The reason she's smiling, the reason she's happy is because it's not about a smile and it's not about happiness. It's about her joy. Because, you see, we had the opportunity to adopt our child from a Christian adoption agency. So I know a few things about this woman. I know that she's a Christian. And I imagine that she had prayed long and hard for this baby and every other baby under her care, not us, that God would send someone down with an outstretched arm to pull this baby up out of abject poverty and take him to someplace better. And I don't mean Central AC, and I don't mean a 60-inch TV. I mean to a place where he would be loved. And guess what? We showed up, but that's not the point. God showed up in us. And so I imagine that seeing us there, this woman had a reaffirmation of her faith her joy was reaffirmed, and she knew that she was right to claim God in all things, in spite of her circumstances, in spite of her third world country, and in spite of working for little or no rages. You see, she deals in the currency of love. That's how she gets paid. And we're going to love her for the rest of our lives, even if we never see her again. So what I want you to take from this picture is, I don't care if you're in a third world country drinking water as brown as coffee. Joys is yours to claim if you just do it. And this season, whether it's a reaffirming or an affirming, brand new, on fire Christian, thinking about it, Christian for 50 years, it really doesn't matter. Because of this season, we get to claim joy. It's not that we have to, it's that we get to. And joy is a picture, and you can see it in your lives, and you can see it in my life, and you can see it in her life, and you can't miss it because it's written all over her face. Amen? Can we pray? Lord, you got me fired up this morning because I have joy, and I am so thankful that you allow me to claim it, Lord. I thank you that it doesn't matter what our circumstances are. It doesn't matter who or how we were born. It's that you were born. It doesn't matter our situation. It does not matter our circumstances. It matters not, God, because it's all under your strong tower. Father God, I just pray that these brothers and sisters who are here with me today would hear this word, Lord, take your outstretched hand. Whether it's right now, whether it's tomorrow, at some point, Lord, let them take your outstretched hand and if they got it, let them cling even harder to it. Father God, thank you for this season. Thank you for the blessing of your birth. Thank you that we can't earn it, we can't toil for it, but the best news is we can't mess it up. God, we need you, and we thank you, and we just, we appreciate the strong tower of your marvelous glory. 
Lord, in your gracious name, bless these people, bless this church. Bless me, Father God, I need it. And help us to claim joy. Amen. Thank you, Gregory. Awesome, man. Thank you. He's easy to love, isn't he? Great guy, great gifts. And I think you're in the right class there, Gregory. I think there might be a little calling happening there, buddy. So uh, we'll see what God does in his life and continues to do in his life. Well, at this time, if you grab that uh, comment card in your program, and if you reached up and grabbed the hand of God this morning for the first time, we have a Bible, we have a booklet we'd like to give you. It's down at the Information Center. If you would mark that on this comment card and then go by after the service and pick that up. It's our gift to you to help you understand that decision. The next uh, spot, next line says what? I will break out my what? Crockpot. That means, man, I'm going to claim my joy. I'm going to live in my joy. I'm going to acknowledge that joy is a journey, but God's in. I'm going to invite God every day and his joy into my life. I'm going to let go of trying to control and live in his joy. I hope you can mark that. Get out that crockpot. Enjoy your life more. Enjoy God's joy. I'll invite someone to join us for our candlelight service there in that uh, seat, or your seat, the seat next to you is an invite card. And, and I just want to tell you again, Christmas Eve is one of those nights that your neighbors and coworkers, they're looking for a church to go to. It's one of the times they're so responsive to an invitation. So please grab this flyer and invite them to come. And number four there, we want to encourage you to help us on Christmas Eve. This place will be full. We're going to be lighting candles, singing song. I'll be sharing the good news of the gospel and we need your help. We need you to come to one service and serve in a service. And on the back of that card, as Brent talked about earlier, you can sign up and help us with that. So we hope you'll make a commitment this morning to be a part of helping us uh, do that on Christmas Eve. Well, at this time, we'd like to ask our host team to come forward. We're going to be receiving our Christmas offering. Um, and we want uh, our, our church offering, our Christmas offering. If you are giving to the Christmas offering in that envelope in your program, make sure you indicate that so we know that. And... Uh, I hope you're praying about giving at least one day's pay to our Christmas offering. May we as a church really give back to our community. So let's pray as our host team comes forward to receive our offering. God, we are so grateful for the joy that you give and for the way that you change our hearts. And Lord, when we give, it's a picture of letting go. It's a picture of stop trying to control. When we give, it's just resting in your joy. It's trusting you, living in you giving back to you what you have so graciously, so generously given us. God, we thank you that you are such a loving, gracious, generous God and the joy that you give all of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
the joy of God being with us. And I am just so full of joy myself. Just so full of joy of just seeing what God's doing right now in the life of our church. And I'm telling you, God is bringing blessing our way that we have no idea that's coming. And it's huge. And it's, he's generous. And he's faithful. And he's so good. And we're so excited about it. I'd like to ask Paul, if you would, and Gary, some of our elders, to come up and join me. You know, uh, we've been on this journey for several years. And I appreciate these guys so much. Uh, they have just been such great friends and prayer warriors, and we have supported and hold each other up during difficult time in the life of our church. Um, and about three years ago, we read a book together called Better Together, and we began to look, I began to look all across the United States. There's over 8,000 churches that have a simulcast, have campuses going on multiple site churches, 8,000. And, um, and we began to realize that we as a church would be better if we worked together that we can be stronger together, that we can go further, faster in sharing the gospel if we work together. And so we began to share that idea with other churches in the area, and by now you've heard the fact that uh, Family Church and Pastor Jimmy Scroggins has responded, and we're, we have really been praying and seeking and have clear confirmation from God that we as a church, we need to become strategic partners with Family Church, and we've been excited about that, and we're looking forward to that. I had a chance just the other night to go to their Christmas party, and I got to see some of the staff at Abacoa and the quality and the hearts of the people that are going to be a part of this church family I'm telling you, uh, what's going to happen in our children's ministry and our student ministry and our church is greater than ever before. And I read this verse this week, and I thought, wow, this is exactly it. Jesus said in Revelations 21, 5, Behold, I am making all things new. And uh, God is just doing something new, something new, something fresh, something so good. And I think it has something to do with the fact that we were faithful that we didn't give up, that we hung in there, that we broke, got on our knees, and just looked to him, and he's made provision for us. So God is good. And if you affirm the decision of the elders, of our, our decision to go forward in the strategic partnership, can you just stand up right now with us in support of that decision and affirmation of that decision? And can the rest of you join us? Because we're one church, and we're together in this. I'd like to ask Paul, if you would, to uh, close our service in prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful that you are a great and mighty God, a generous God, a loving God, a God who, uh, throughout the season of uncertainty that we have just passed through, have been there. And Lord, we, we hope that we kept our joy throughout that part of our journey. And we are so joyful now, Lord that you have led us to this point where we are able to have that opportunity to partner with Family Church. And Lord, we lift our brothers and sisters at Family Church up to you. We lift up our family here. And as we go forward in partnership together, we just pray that you will lead and guide us and you will continue, Lord, to help us to be a light and a, a beacon to this community and that there are people that you love and you want to be part of your family. And we just pray for them, Lord, that you will allow us to join you in your work. And we know that we can do it better together. We ask that you be with us now to uh, bless us throughout this season of joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.